How are you guys doing today? Good? Very good. Well, if you were not here last week, as, as Laura just mentioned, we started this series called Real Success. Uh, we learned some important things last week. Uh, we learned that, uh, you know, your definition of success is very important. It's important that that definition would be the real definition of success because whether you notice this or not, it's going to lead you. Now, you're going to pursue the things that you think will make you successful and happy. And we learned also that according to the Bible, uh, success truly means to live for the purposes that God has for you. You know, that is the only way that you can be truly fulfilled. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. But you have to live for the purposes that God has for you. And the only way that we can do that is if we, of course, accept Jesus as our King and Savior. But then allow him to transform our character so that he will resemble his character. Jesus was the only person that lived every day of his life for the purposes that God put him on this earth. So if we want to just at least get a shot at trying to live our purpose, we have to allow him to transform our character to resemble his. Okay? Now that transformation is a process that uh, lasts for as long as we live. So the question today is, how do I identify my purpose? I have had a lot of people that come and ask me that, how do I know what my purpose is? Okay, so we're going to have two messages that are going to help us to learn about our purpose and how to live for that purpose. But today, what I want to talk about is about the fact that God helps us to identify our purpose by revealing to us our shape. You know, we are shaped by God in a specific way that if you analyze it, if you pay attention to it, it reveals your purpose. So today, we're going to talk about the shape that God gave you. Okay, let me pray for us, and let's dive in. There's a lot of information. Father, we just thank you for your love. Thank you for this opportunity to just get deep into your word. Now, I know, Lord, that you need to talk to each one of us where we're at. So will you just do that through your Holy Spirit? Just touch our hearts, talk to us, open our eyes, and let us see what we need to see. We put ourselves in your hands, in the beautiful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Look, guys, the, the fact that, you know, the Bible tells us that uh, God has a purpose for, purpose for each one of us is one of the most wonderful things that the Bible teaches us. We can find that in many places in the Bible. I, I want to show you just two verses so you can see it. The first one is in Psalms 139, verses 13 and 16. It says, for you, and you notice that the you is with capital Y. It's talking about God. For you shaped me inside and out. You needed me together in my mother's womb long before I took my first breath. Every detail of my life was already written in your book. See, what that verse means is that God supervised personally your shaping, forming you, wiring you, making you exactly the way that he wanted you to be according to a predetermined plan. And we can see that in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 where Paul says, for we are, we are God's handiwork. You know what's the Greek word that it's used there? It's poema. So we, we get our word poem. We are God's poem made by hand. And it says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So not only did he shape you in a unique way, he did this in order to fulfill purposes that he had planned for you before the beginning of time. Therefore, identifying your shape is, is the only way, you know, that you're going to truly understand what your purpose is. 
You know, when you see your shape, you're going to see how you can identify the purposes that he has for you. So we're going to divide our message today in two parts. And the first one says five aspects that determine your shape. We're going to use the word shape as an acronym, you know, because we need five or there are five things that help you determine what your shape is. Ready? First one, the S in shape is spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts that you receive. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will give each believer at least one spiritual gift. Some people get more than one. The Bible is clear saying that not one person gets all the gifts. There are gifts that we all get, but we just get them in different measures. Okay? But we at least get one gift. There's a discussion among theologians. Some of them say that we are born with those spiritual gifts in us, but at the time of conversions, they come into effect. Some other people think that it's when you convert that the Spirit gives you those gifts. That matter. Because at the end of the day, they don't work until you convert. So at the time of conversion, you know, you have those gifts that He gives you. Okay? Uh, I put in your notes two passages, two, two chapters of the Bible, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. You can find there the two most extended lists of gifts, spiritual gifts. Okay, but you know, they're, they're very well known. There's the gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching, the gift of wisdom. You know, and these are specific things that God gives you to help the church. Like, uh, I don't know if it's happened to you that you read a verse and you think that you understand it, but then some, someone comes and explains to you what they see and you go like, how did he get all that from that verse? That's the gift of wisdom. You know, or, or, or people that can express the truths of God in a clear way so people can understand them. That's a gift of teaching. You know, the gift of faith, for example, is one that we all get. But we just get it in different measures because we need faith, you know, in order to please God. But have you met people that they convert and right away they trust God with their life and they're not concerned about anything and you're struggling with your faith? That's the gift of faith. Some people get the gift of healing, which sometimes is very confused, that gift. Because the gift of healing is when God heals people through other people. But it's God the one that heals. You have no control over those gifts. He uses it when he wants to use them for his glory, not for the glory of people. Okay? So read those. You know, there's the gift of leadership, the gift of encouragement, the gift of mercy, generosity. There's a lot of gifts. And just so you know... Uh, in the small group discussion of this week, we're going to be doing exercises to help us discover what gifts do we have. And we're developing some classes that we will announce later on. You know, we'll have them probably in the second quarter of the year for us to go deeper into these things. Okay? But anyway, you have spiritual gifts and that's the first part that determines your shape. Number two, the age in shape, it's heart's desires. Your heart's desires. What does that mean? If you read the Bible, you're going to see the amount of things that break God's heart. You know, God has a heart for the orphans, for the widows, for the poor, for the sick, for the lost, for the abandoned, for the people that faces injustice. You know, there's a wide variety of things that break God's heart. But he doesn't put the whole load of what breaks his heart in just one heart. So he divides it among his whole church. And this is why you sometimes hear about certain concepts, you know, from up here when we talked about, for example, orphans. 
and, and, and some people, you know, their, their, their heart just starts beating faster and they're thinking we have to do something about it and I want to participate and when are they going to do that? And, you know, and they get surprised that the person right next couldn't care less. They're like, hmm. But then they start talking about something else, an abused woman, and then the next one starts like getting all worked up. But the other one doesn't get all riled up. Why? Because God divides his breaking heart into all of us. So those things that motivate you, that, that make you want to participate, and I just want you to be aware of this. Sometimes we talk about these things, and you start thinking, I have to do something, I have to participate in this, and this is God calling you to follow your heart's you know, desires. And if what you do is like, okay, I'm going to sit down until this passes, you know, you, you're kind of like rejecting the calling of God. Okay, so your heart's desires, you know, he divides them among all of us because his whole plan has to be fulfilled by his whole church. The third one are your abilities, your natural abilities. These are things that you have seen, you know, since very early in life. You notice how, for example, there's kids that from a very early age, they're very good with numbers. And they like numbers and they like math and they like algebra. And, and, and you're already an adult and you're still struggling with the same numbers. But, but some people are just good with numbers. They can see numbers in their head. That's a natural ability. There are people that are very well coordinated. So they're excellent at sports. You know, from very early age, you give them a racket or you give them a ball and they immediately start dominating and playing and they're really good. And then there's other people that trip on their own shadow. No coordination whatsoever. But usually those people will have different abilities. Some of them have artistic abilities. You know, you give them a pencil since they're a kid and they start making drawings and everybody else goes like, wow. You know, or, or they have a good ear for music. They can immediately sing a tune. There's people that you give them an instrument and they start making real music right away. Those are all abilities that came with you. There's people that have mechanical abilities. You know, they are curious about how things work, so they are very good at taking things apart and they putting them back together. I was very good at taking things apart. And that's it, you know. <laughs> I had a mechanical bypass when I was like eight, you know, so I, I just broke things down, you know. There's people that are very, very gifted at, 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 at speaking, at dancing. At, there's people that have the, the gift of people. You know, they relate very easy with people. There's people that are very good at hugs. Do you know people that you love to receive a hug from them because they just hug you in a way? Those are things that come with us. Okay? Then the number four, the P in shape, is for your personality. See, God gave us a combination of characteristics that makes us unique. Uh, th there are some experts that have developed batteries of tests to try to identify your profile, like a Briggs-Myers, the DISC profile. You probably have done some of those. You know, when I did mine, I, I was amazed at how close they got to who I am. But there's always something like, yeah, except for this part. That's not really me. Because we're very complex and we're very different. And let me show you. Let's do a little survey here. When you come to a swimming pool, you're going to swim and the water is cold. How many of you first put a toe? and then have your foot, and then a little bit of your leg, and then you suffer for like 20 minutes before you get into the water. How many of you are like that? Okay. How many of you just jump into the pool? Yeah, there's, we're different. How many of you love pushing people into the pool? <laughs> How many of you hate the people that pushes people into the pool? And see, we're just very different <laughs> you know, in that regard. How about board games? 
How many of you love to play board games, but just because of the relational aspect of the game? You like to hang out and play the game. How many of you, if you don't win, that's not fun? <laughs> and if there's money involved, even better. You know? <laughs> we're, we're different. How about uh, the order of your things? How many of you, everything has a place in your house and things have to be in their place all the time? How many of you are like that? Somebody moves something, you without thinking, you come and fix it, right? How many of you, if somebody died in your bedroom, it would take six months to find the body? Because it's such a mess. <laughs> yeah? We're just different, right? How, how about the rhythm of life? How many of you love routine? You want to wake up at the same time and do the same thing. You come to the parking lot and want to park in the same place. You come to the church and you want to sit in the same chair. And if somebody's sitting there, you go like, that's my chair, man. <laughs> Any of you like that? But how, how many of you is just like, it doesn't matter, variety. I like to try different things, you know. The first ones order the same thing at the restaurant every time, and you order something different, right? But think of it this way. Those are extremes. There's the very routine people and the very variety people. Think of everything in between. How many of you sometimes would like to try something different at the restaurant? And when it gets there, you remember why you always order the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. How about your decisions? How many of you like to think about your decision, you pray about it, meditate, and then you decide if you want soup or salad? <laughs> yeah? And some of us are just like, the way I feel that day, I'll order different, right? How about personalities? How many of you are extroverts? Very good. How many are you introverts? I bet there's more and they just don't want to raise their hand, you know? <laughs> Well, here's the thing with this. See, there's no right or wrong. That's just the way God made us. He gave us that personality because he has a whole plan and he needs all types of personalities to fulfill that plan. And, and I'm just going to make a parenthesis here because sometimes when I say these things, there's people that will hide behind this concept to behave like jerks. Have you heard people that be, be, behave in a horrible way and you ask them, why do you do that? It's like, well, it's not the way I am. That's the way God made me. I want you to understand that the way spiritual maturity shows in a person is based on how they treat other people. So if you're behaving that way, that's not because God made you that way. That's because you're being a jerk. You need to grow up. The people are not your enemy, and you're supposed to love them. But that wasn't part of the sermon. That's for free, okay? <laughs> the fifth thing are your experiences. The E in shape is all the experiences that you have had in your life. See, this is the one that God uses to nuance the whole, like, range of different persons in the world. Because you can be very similar to other people in, 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 in the way that your heart desires things or in your abilities, you know, even in your personality. But what makes you different is the things that you have lived through. And this, you know, the school, you know, just think of all the experiences. First of all, the house where you were born. If you have a lot of siblings, the number of siblings that you were, or if you were an only child. It's a very different experience. You know, the school that you went to. The, the, the schoolmates that you had, the teachers that you got while you were growing up. You know, and then if you went to college, the career path that you took, all the education, and then everything that you lived just in life. You know, the education that you got from the world. And, and one of those experiences, it's, it's sadly, 
you know, the, the, the hard experiences, the painful and suffering experiences that you had in your life. See, many people, uh, all they want to do about those experiences is to forget them, you know, to leave them behind. But what God wants you to do is to be healed through His love and then put that pain to work by helping other people that are going through the same pain that you at some point went. But you have to understand that sometimes we have to contend for the things that God placed in our hearts because the enemy is trying to steal your joy, kill your dreams, and destroy your sense of purpose. And if you only concentrate on the pain, you're allowing him to win. God wants you to heal. He wants to redeem your situation so that you can come on the other side of that tunnel and then put that pain to work. Okay, so those are all the experiences that we have in life, you know, form part of who we are, our shape, okay? So just think about that amazing fact. God has created billions of people throughout the history of the world, and not one of them has been like you. You are unique. And therefore, your purpose is unique because your shape is unique, and he made you specifically for his purpose. See, the way I see this is I imagine the world as God's jigsaw puzzle. And each one of us is a piece of the jigsaw puzzle. And we have a specific shape that only fits in one place because of our shape. And we're going to talk about how wonderful it is when we find where we fit and how horrible it is when we're trying to fit in a spot where we don't fit. Okay, so the question is, what does God want me to do with my shape? So you have a shape. Okay, so what exactly does God want me to do with that shape? Well, there's five things. Number one, he wants you to discover it. He wants you to figure out exactly what your shape is. You realize that if you don't understand what the purpose of something is, you cannot determine if it's good or bad, if it's doing its job or not. Imagine that I am trying to drive a nail through a wall and I look around and the only thing I can see is my watch. So I grab my watch and I start hitting the nail with my watch. If the watch breaks, can I say, this thing is useless? Can I? Yes or no? It's not a trick question. You can't. Why? Because it was not designed for that. If somebody tells me, no, that thing was designed to tell the time accurately, then I can go like, okay, let's see what time it is. Let's see what time really is. And then I can tell if it's a good or a bad watch. But I cannot measure it against something else. So if you don't know the purpose of something, you don't know if it's doing right or wrong, if it's living well or not living well. So we have to discover it. Have you ever heard of the fable of the, um, the, the school for animals? This was a fable that was designed to train professionals. But it shows you what happens when you try to fit in a place where you don't fit. So this fable says that there's this forest where the animals decided they're going to start school for baby animals so they could grow up and learn to fend with whatever circumstance they will find. But they only had four subjects. They had running, swimming, climbing, and flying. And all the animals had to take all four. Can you imagine what happened? See, the duck was an excellent swimmer. But they realized that he wasn't very good at running and he was terrible at climbing. So the principal decided that they had to give extracurricular activities to the dog so he would learn to run and climb properly, which ruined his feet. And that made him a very mediocre swimmer. But since he was mediocre in all the subjects, 
He was even, everybody was happy except the duck. Then they had the rabbit. The rabbit was an excellent runner, but every time they threw him into the river, he would panic. So he started refusing to get into the water, so they had to expel him from school. And then they had the eagle who flew amazingly and was the fastest climber, but insisted on climbing the tree by flying to the top instead of climbing through the trunk. So he spent his time in detention for being such a stubborn thing. And the worst one was the poor fish, because he was the best swimmer of all, but apparently he couldn't breathe when he was outside and he couldn't run or climb. You know, so you know, the principal of the school called the parents of the fish and said, your fish swims really good, but he doesn't do anything else, so we're going to take the swimming away and we're just going to concentrate on running and climbing. And the last time they saw the fish, he was asking for political asylum in a different forest <laughs> because he didn't want to die running. You know, this is, you know, it, it's kind of a ridiculous fable, but that's the tragedy in the life of so many people that are trying to live their lives some, doing something that they were not designed to do. They're trying to fit in a, you know, in a spot that their shape doesn't fit. And usually, see, if, if you are trying to do that, I'm going to tell you what the result is. You're going to feel at times very confused, unsatisfied. Oftentimes, you're going to feel very insignificant, frustrated, but above all, very, very unhappy. You can do certain things, whether you were born to do them or not, but you're not going to enjoy doing them, and you're not going to do the best that you can be. So you need to discover what your shape is. Now, how do you do that? There's two things that you can do. The first one of them is you have to examine your past. You have to go through your past and analyze the things. See, they have to fulfill two requirements. Things in your past that you did very well, you know, that the results were very good, but also that you enjoyed doing them very much. That when you were doing them, you were truly excited. See, there are certain things that you can learn to do. You know, if, if you stubborn out, you, you, you can learn how to do them. But maybe you don't enjoy them as much. And this is a problem with our generation. Because I don't know if you've noticed, and, and not this generation, but the last few generations, People pick careers based on how much money they make, what's popular, instead of how are they shaped. You know, it's like, no, no, it has to be something that you're good at doing and that you enjoy doing it very much. So this would be the homework. Try to analyze your life. Depending on your age, you can do it in periods of 10 years. But if you're younger, do it in periods of five years. And a pattern is going to start coming out of what God made you to do. And I'll give you my life example. You know, when I did this exercise, I was probably in my 40s. So I did it in, in, in periods of 10 years. And I started realizing, when I was like um, a, a kid in school, uh, my father loved it when I came from school and told him jokes. So I would try to memorize whatever joke they would tell me, and I would come home and tell jokes. So I thought, this is what I like doing, telling jokes. But then when I was in middle school, I realized that I loved doing something that most of my schoolmates hated doing. I loved giving the class. That's an assignment that every once in a while the teacher, next week you're going to teach this class and you're going to teach this class and you have to prepare the class and go in front of the classroom and teach a class. And I loved doing that. I enjoyed it so much. Most of my friends hated that part. You know, and then when I was uh, after college, actually, I had a group of friends. And I had one in particular that we would be hanging out and he would tell me, uh, what book have you read lately? Or, or what's the last movie that you saw? And I would tell them, it's like, can you tell us a story? And I was like, 
go read the books. Like, no, 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 tell us. We love how you tell the stories. One time, this friend told me, I hope one day you find a profession that pays you to tell stories. What do you know? You know? <laughs> but see, it's like you start analyzing your life in chunks of time, and you're going to realize there's things that you really enjoy doing, and you did them really well. Those are the things that you have to be doing. See, when I was a consultant, I went speaking around, you know, all over the place. People would ask me, what do I have to study to do what you're doing? And I would ask them, what have you been doing all your life? Is this something that you've been doing? Is this something that calls your heart? Or is that something that you're seeing someone do and you want to copy? It's important that it's your shape. Okay, so analyze your past and you're going to see a pattern of, of things that you were made to do. The second one is experimenting in the present. See, I know that there is people that they know exactly what they're good at and what they love doing. But there's people that truly don't know. You know, it's very uh, often that happens that people come to us at church and say, like, I want to serve, but I don't know where. What do you suggest? And what we tell them is like, okay, first of all, you can do these tests, you know, to find out what you're good at. But the other thing you can do is go and try some things. You know, there, there's a lot of people that have amazing talents for certain areas, but they have never tried. And the reason why they don't try is one of two reasons. One, they think they're not going to like it. Or two, they think they're going to be terrible at it and they're afraid of doing it. And, and I'll give you a, one of the best examples that we have seen of this. Our oldest daughter, Angie, her and her husband were working for a church in California. And she served at the church and said, like, anywhere but kids, please. I might strangle one, you know, so not there. So she was serving everywhere but kids. And one day, the person that was in charge of reading a story to the children, they would bring all the kids for a certain time. Somebody would read them a story and kind of enact the story and, and explain, you know, the story. Didn't show up. And they said, just today, please, just today. And she did it. And she loved it. And the kids loved She ended up in charge of that area of the church. She didn't realize how good she was at that. She had never tried. So you have to try different things. And you know what's important? See, this is something that I notice in my life. Sometimes people around you see your shape before you see it. If you're surrounded by people that truly love you, it's going to be helpful in two ways. One, if they see your shape, they're going to tell you. See, in my case, see, I was the IT director for a chain of hotels for the Americas division. I worked with computers all the time, programmed computers. And one day, you know, I, I read a book by Zig Ziglar and I went to my boss and I told him, Hey, would you be willing to send me to a seminar that this guy Sig Ziglar is teaching? And I remember this conversation clearly. He sat me at his office and he said, I just want to tell you something that I've been meaning to tell you for a while. You made a mistake when you picked your career. You think that you should be working with computers, but you missed your calling. You should be working with people. He saw it. I didn't. And he sent me to that seminar. The, the company paid for a seminar that had nothing to do with IT. And that changed my life. Because when I saw Sig Sigler, I thought, that's exactly what I want to be doing. You know, so loving people around you will tell you what your shape is. And if they really love you, they will tell you when something is not your shape. So I get people that come and say, I want to do this. And we give them a try. And it's like, you're terrible at this. But my mom says I do it real good. Well, tell your mom to tell you the truth, man. <laughs> it's like, this is not your shape, okay? So examine your past. 
You know, experiment with the present, surround yourself with people that loves you and encourages you to try the things that you want to try, okay? That's how you discover it. The, the second thing that you have to do is accept your shape. You need to embrace who God made you to be. See, it, it is very sad that thousands of people around the world constantly reject the shape that God gave them. They're not happy with their skills. They're not happy with the, with the, the situations and experiences that God has put them through. And, and the reason why this happens so often is because we make two basic mistakes. The first one is we compare ourselves with other people. See, we tend to overrate the shape of other people and underrate our shape. And the problem is you see people that are using their shape and because they're using their shape, they're having excellent results, they're enjoying their life, they're very happy and then you think, man, I, I, want, I want that. We feel jealous, but you're not so much jealous of the shape, but of the results that they're obtaining by using their shape. And then you end up thinking, I would like to live like that and I could live like that if only and filling the blank. If only I could sing like this guy or lead like this guy or manage like this guy or speak like this guy or you start thinking, if I had somebody else's shape, I would be successful and I would be happy. You're lying to yourself. I'm going to tell you why. Do you know what you would be doing if you had somebody else's shape? Exactly the same thing that you're doing with your shape today. If you're not using your shape 100%, what makes you think that you would use somebody else's? Use your shape. You realize that's the shape? This is how God made you? You can't change that? And if you start thinking that you don't have the right shape, you realize what you're saying. You're complaining to God that he made a mistake and he made you the wrong way. Look at what... Um, Romans 9 verse 20 says, the Apostle Paul says, Who are you, a mere human, to argue with God? If God takes the time to shape us from the dust, is it right to point a finger at him and ask, Why have you made me this way? See, the Bible says that God is the potter. And we are the clay. And he makes us according to his purpose. So he wants to make this big, chunky, you know, pot to hold a lot of water. Imagine the pot saying to God, no, thinner, thinner, taller. He has a purpose for you. And don't go using this as an excuse. This is why I'm this chunky. God made me this way. <laughs> you have to stop comparing yourself with other people and concentrate on what God gave you. Instead of asking why, even if I have been trying for so many years to do this right and it doesn't work, instead of asking why can I do this right, ask, what do I do well? What did he made me to do? Where do I excel? Where does it come natural? And the second mistake that we make besides comparing ourselves to others is we mold ourselves to what others want for us. I don't know if you have noticed, but God is not the only one with a purpose for your life. There are some people around you that want to tell you what the purpose of your life should be. And, and you might think that I'm contradicting myself here because I just said a minute ago that some people see your shape before you see it, but I'm not. See, it's not the same thing for me to say to you, I think you're really good at this, don't you want to give it a try? And another very different, say, you have to be this. 
This is who you need to be. This is a mistake that many parents do. They want their children to follow on their steps. It's a pride situation. All doctors in the family, all architects. If I had said in my house, all pastors, my kids would have burned me alive. Okay, so everyone has to be according to what God made them. Okay, and that, you know, trying to do that is the difference between spiritual leadership and secular leadership. See, in secular leadership, this is a person telling you what you should be doing to accomplish the goals according to that person's purpose. Spiritual leadership is a person trying to help you understand God's purposes for your life, for his glory and your enjoyment. Not for, for the spiritual leader, but for the glory of God. So we cannot tell people what they have to be. And you don't have to conform yourself what other people want of you. See, when you arrive to heaven, the question that God is going to ask you is not, did you make everybody happy by doing what they wanted to do? The question he's going to ask you is, what did you do with the talents that I invested in you? I made an investment and I want to return. And this is how we're going to be measured. Entrance is by faith, but once inside, reward is by the return that we give for the talents he invested in us. So he's going to ask you, what did you do with everything that I gave you? The good news is God doesn't want you to do all the work that needs to be done in the world. But he does have a job for you. And you need to leave to fulfill that purpose. So accept your form and live for it. The third thing he wants you to do is to enjoy it. See, the happiest people in the world are the people that truly discover what they were made for, accept their shape, and then use it. You know, live for it. You know, I find very sad the idea that some people have of God in this regard. See, a lot of people think that God is this grumpy God that is in heaven. And if he sees somebody having too much fun, he smacks them. You know, so they think, and, and I'm sure you have heard this because people have said it to me. I said, give your life to God. Live for his plan, for his glory. And, they said, and what if he sends me to do something that I would hate? What if he tells me that I have to go and be a missionary in North Africa? Or he tells me I have to go through the neighborhood knocking doors and reading the Bible with people. I would hate to do that. Do you feel like going door by door knocking and reading Bible with people? Do you know that there's people that would love to do that? There's people that have come to me at church like, is there a ministry that does that? And I was like, no. Can I start one? And I was like, really? Go. And if you're listening to this and it's like, please don't call me, that means you were not made for it. Or you don't even know because you've never tried it. But see, these people think that God is a horrible father. That he would make you in this beautiful way to enjoy doing certain things, but he's going to put you to do something you hate. <laughs> you know, like, do you think that's God? It, it, it's amazing. God wants you to enjoy working for his glory to such a degree that it's going to give him glory. The people around you are going to say, like, why are you so excited? Because I'm doing this. God made me this way, and I'm doing this for his glory. And they're going to say, I want the same. And you don't copy them. You discovered what he made you to do. See, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Look at what Solomon said. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. 
says, this is a gift from God. And if you truly use it, look at what it says. You're going to be so busy enjoying what you're doing in the present that no matter what happened in the past, you know, you're going to be able to get past it and live for the glory of God. The amazing truth about this whole thing is that he's designed, his purpose shows us that God loves you so much that what he wants you is to enjoy doing the work that he has for you on this earth. This is something that I tried to teach to my children since they were very little. You know, one of my, my kids, the, the third one, Alex, used to tell me when he was like starting to go, you know, past grammar school into junior high. And I was like, study hard, Alex, you know, your life and you need to be prepared. He's like, why do I want to study? You want to just grow up to be a slave working in some company for the rest of my life. This is not fun. And I would tell him, if you find something that you love doing and you do it for the glory of God, it's not going to feel like work. And you know what he found? He found that he loved cooking. He loved cooking. Like he told me, I want to be a chef. I want to work in kitchens. And I was like, I don't know that you know that for a fact. You know, because I don't know if you worked in an industrial kitchen, but it's like being in the army. There are ranks and chef, just chef, you know, like you have to obey. And he said, no, 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 I want to try it. I had a friend who was the manager of the hotel in the Dominican Republic, and I called him. I said, can I send you my son? He wants to work at the kitchen. Put him in the kitchen and see if he really likes it. And, and we sent him. He was at that time like 16, 17 years old, and he worked during summer for a month and a half there. And they would have him work like 11-hour shifts, and I would call him at night. How you doing? I love it. He loved it. He found his passion. He can't believe that he can cook, and they pay him to do it. This is the same thing that happens to us. God made you in a specific way to enjoy what you do. And if you do what you love doing, you're going to be amazed that they actually pay you to do what you love doing. See, I'll give you very fast three benefits of taking advantage of your shape to live your purpose. First of all, it gives you energy. Have you noticed that you have energy to do the things that you love doing? But if they, you don't love them, you don't have the energy to do them. I, I'm going to talk to the men because I'm a man, so this is my experience. Tell me if this has happened to you. You arrive from work, you're tired, it was a long day, and you find your wife waiting in front, smiling at the door. And you're like, yes? And she's like, today is the day. Remember we planned we're going to clean the garage today. And you're like, really? Like, no, please, I'm exhausted. I can't move a finger. I need to rest. I have to sit down. And you go and sit in the couch and the phone rings. And your friend calls and says, do you have time for fast nine holes of golf? Do I have time to? And all of a sudden, the energy comes to you. How? Where did it come from? I thought you were exhausted, your wife says. <laughs> right? What? Because you love doing that. So when you love doing things, the energy comes with the activity. So it gives you energy. It gives you confidence. Because you're good at it. You're a natural at these things. So you never feel insecure. You know what you're doing. And third, it gives you fulfillment. See, the purposes of God is the only thing that truly fills your heart. You can do other things. There are things that you can actually learn to do really well, even if you don't enjoy them. And that's a tragedy of, as I was saying, of this generation, that they want to pick a career just because it makes money instead of because it's your calling. See, vocation is a word that is rarely used anymore. It means calling. You have a calling to do some stuff. But there's more that he wants you to do with it. Number four, he wants you to develop it. 
See, your shape is like a muscle. And if you don't use a muscle, you know what happens to it. It tends to disappear. But the more you use it, the stronger it becomes. See, a common error that people make is they see people that they have been developing their shape, their muscle for years. And they see them doing this amazing work and these incredible results and they think, there's no way I'm going to get to do that. I can't possibly you know, do what this guy is doing. Well, not in the beginning. You know, we have to learn the trade and even, even your, your spiritual gifts have to be honed. Look at what uh, Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. You need to work it. Or, or, or do you think by any chance that like you, you see these musicians and singers up here, do you think the first time they picked up the instrument, that's exactly how it sounded? When they started singing, that's how it sounded? When you see athletes on the field, you know, and you, you're going to go watch some of the best ones this afternoon play this game. Do you think that they were born playing like that? You know, when they started, they were doing it poorly until they worked and worked, even if they were naturals. You know, talk to people that were natural at something. They said, well, yeah, but in the beginning I had to work very hard. So God wants you to develop this. See, I read the, the life of Pablo Casals. I don't know if you know who he is. He was a master cello player. You know, one of the best in the history of the world. He, he's already dead, unfortunately. But at 92 years of age, he was practicing between three and four hours a day. And a reporter asked him once, why are you training so much at this age? And he said, I think I'm making progress. <laughs> he was already a master. But he was practicing four hours a day. So it is when you develop your shape. But also, and this will lead us to the fifth one. When you put it to the service of others. See, the fifth thing God wants you to do with it is share it. No gift was given to you for your benefit. It was given to you to put it to the service of others. First Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Did you read what he just said? We are the stewards of God's grace. When you get your shape and put it to work to the service of others, you are passing out God's grace in whatever capacity you're doing it. Whatever you're good at, when you do it to serve others, that's God's grace. That's what he just told us. Everything he gave you, it's to serve other people, which means the fastest path to happiness and fulfillment, it's service. See, the world has it upside down. People want to climb up the ladder of success so other people will serve them. And this is why they have miserable empty lives because true satisfaction comes from serving other people in whatever shape God gave you that's what we have to do listen um, we all know that the most important decision that you're going to make in this life is to accept Jesus as your savior and king but regardless of what other people will tell you the second most important decision that you're going to make in your life is a decision to identify your shape, accept it, start using it, enjoying it, and share it with the world. Your fulfillment, your true fulfillment will depend on that. If you are not living for that purpose, you're not really living well. You know, if you're not fulfilling your purpose like the watch, you're really not living your life correctly. And I know people will say, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not talking about right or wrong. I'm talking the difference between good and excellence. 
true fulfillment, true happiness. See, every great thing in the history of this world has been done by people that use their shape for the service of others. And I think that the biggest tragedy in the history of the world are the millions of people that go to the grave without ever having discovered why they were put on this earth. God gave you that shape that you have today as a gift. And whatever you do with it and the results that they produce, that's your gift back to God. So what are you going to do with your shape? What are you going to do with your talents? Do you truly want to be fulfilled? Put them to work for the service of God. That's true success. Let's pray. Father, um, I know, Lord, that our heart is to glorify you, to serve you, to get the world to know you. But I know, Lord, that the only way that we can do that is if we truly use our shape for your glory. I know these are not easy tasks, they are consuming, time-consuming tasks. So give us, Father, the will, the humility, the stubbornness to work at these things until we truly discover them and start finding our spot, finding our place in your jigsaw puzzle. Help us accept who you made us to be. Help us to develop it. Help us to serve other people humbly with this shape. Remind us, Lord, that you gave us these things not for our own benefit, but for your glory, putting them to the service of the church. We love you, Father. We thank you for making us the way you did. Now help us see it. Push us to use it. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.